Amen. I'm going to do the update on our missions trip, and then in the balance of time, we'll do our QA Bible study. By the way, has anybody got a question? Just a burning hot question. Okay, good. I'm glad someone does. We'll keep it in the burner, okay? So we'll get to that later. Uh, so hope deferred makes the heart sick. When the desire comes, it's a tree of life. All right, so we went to Boston, and uh, uh, for this is my third trip, and and uh, it was really good. Um, so the first trip was me and Brady and Jim Stovall and Chris uh, uh, Chris Cohen. And uh, when we went, it was a very small nucleus of a church, very just a baby, baby church, uh, just coming out of COVID. Uh, and uh, it was a great trip. It really was a great trip, a great time to be in Boston. A great, for me, it was a great opportunity to kind of see the vision. And uh, and so Mike and I talked about having an annual evangelism conference, and he's kind of that's what he's doing now every year. It's called an evangelism conference. He invites churches. So um, last year we, we were there with uh, we we coupled with uh, Harvest Baptist. So Tony Godfrey, one of his men, and and, and Cammy Schaefer went out without me because I was at the hospital with Elizabeth. But I joined them a day late, and uh, we went about the business of uh, you know going to campuses and trying to to invite people out. Uh, to the party, the Friends of International Party that we just went to this year. So this year was kind of neat for me because I've yet to be at one of their Friends of International Parties. Um, and so I was at the planning meeting last year, um, but I wasn't at the actual meeting. This year we were we landed, the way our trip fell, it was right on time to help promote their Friends of International's uh, ministry, which is like the one that, that they have at Midtown um, and they have in Tampa. And, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, here in, we got the same thing in Kansas city, you go to the campuses, you make friends, invite them to your church and, uh, and those friendships lead to relationships. Uh, Andrew Ong, by the way, is a product of that ministry and, and look where God's gone with him. So praise the Lord for that. He headed that up for Midtown, by the way, for many years as well. So, uh, friends of internationals, uh, there's several campuses. There's like 25 major universities there. There's 600, I think thousand college students there in Boston. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's, it's on a whole nother level. Um, and, uh, we, we were, we were God gave us an opportunity to be strategically located between Ruggles Baptist church on uh, park drive and, uh, this university called Northeastern university. Um, and just to the, uh, to the, it'd be probably this just to the South of us. And so it was a really good opportunity for us to minister there. Uh, we had plowed, me and, me and Brady and Chris and Jim had plowed a little ground there three years ago. We found it to be pretty fruitful that first trip, and uh, and uh, we they found it to be fruitful. So we really worked that neighborhood uh, in addition to Boston University. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, First Baptist Church of New Philly um, was also on the trip, and then a brother from Harvest Baptist, uh, Todd Devaney, joined us as well. Harvest Baptist Blue Springs, not Iola joined us as well. So that was the team this year. Pretty small team, actually, um, but uh, got a lot of work done. Uh, it's unreasonably hot, so Brady brought all the hot weather out with us, and uh, it was 90 degrees, you know, every day there while we were out. It was hot, just like Missouri weather, humid, um, but it didn't dissuade us. We went after it, handed out uh, lemonade, and invited them to, uh, to the Friends of International meeting. So it was good. Uh, I don't want to take too much more of the time. I just, uh, from my perspective, I will tell you this. Be praying for the church. Um, uh, Mike, as of yesterday, I haven't checked in with him today, but uh, they have a big decision or had a big decision to make with a potential property um, between their current location in Watertown or in uh, Ruggles down near Fenway Park and Watertown where he lives. And so um, uh, it'll cost them 
you know, 70 to, you know, well, more than that. It's, it's probably, no, it'd be double. It's over double what they pay for rent. So it'd be like double in your house payment and then add more to do that. And so every, every month. Um, and so that's basically what it would cost them to give them to another property, but they don't have any choice. They only have to the end of the year at their current location. And the reason they aren't welcome anymore is because they solely use the King James Bible to teach from, which is a crazy thing. Uh, but that's the position that that, that church took. And if you, if, if you don't have another standard other than King James, then you are out. So they're out. So, uh, so if you're going to suffer for something, I guess that's a good thing to suffer for. So, at any rate, be praying for them as God's utilizing that for his good and uh, and uh, lift them up. So with that, I want to just take a few moments. And uh, um, Jesse, you got this on cam, right? This is going up to the cloud. Okay, good, because I'm going to cut it here and make a video out of it. So I want to make sure these guys are heard. All right, so I'm going to have uh, – I'm going to let ladies go first. So Angela's going to come and just share – um, because it's a Wednesday, we've got a little more time, so it's not like packing that in like we do on Sunday morning. So uh, I didn't coach these guys, so they're just going to come and share their impressions and what God did and how God blessed them. Uh, I, re- I lament that I didn't have pictures, but I will pull some pictures together in this testimony, and we will we'll make a little video so you can see some of that later. So Angela, uh, Angela was a good ministry partner, so uh, she got to hang out with a couple of goofy dudes, and, and, uh, and we got through it. So... Uh, Yes, there was a lot of cool women, but uh, we, us goofy dudes rule. All right, so. <laughs> Spring Vision Conference that I was pacing back and forth up here because there were clipboards, and I was kind of convicted to go to on one of these mission trips. And as much as I didn't want to fly, I signed up for Boston. And so... September got here, and we got on a flight and went. And when I started our our first meeting, I still wasn't sure about going because of something Brian Berry had talked about, and that was sharing the gospel in your own backyard before you go travel thousands of miles to go share it with somebody else. But it was shown to me that it's also about encouragement. So we're here also to encourage the church plants and our, our fellow brothers and sisters that are out in the field actually trying to get a church going. So sign me up. We went, and it was good. So Mike had a plan for us to go out, and uh, we had cards to invite students to come to a welcoming party for the Friends of Internationals, and we were inviting, you know, most students, anybody that said, yeah, it sounds good, and we'd give out these cards. And I think we had like 190 people sign up, like RSVP to come. And then there were like 150 or 60 that actually showed up to the party. So there was a lot of people there. Most of them were from India. And it was it was just really a good time. For us women, I mean, shouldering up with the women that were already there at Living Faith Boston was pretty inner, educational. And we sat in circles and talked to um, the students and just asked questions back and forth and and got to know what their journey was like growing up in India and what it took for them to come here to America. And most of them came on their own. So these are strong women that have been raised up for, I guess, with the idea that they were going to go get an education. So I think most of them were more affluent um, 
you would think, for all the colleges there in Boston. So it was interesting to me to listen to these people's stories, and it was really cool to see just how many people that we had talked to on the street showed up, I mean, personally talked to. And they hung out with us for just about the whole time. The party was from 12 to 3, and most of the people stayed for the entire time. So we got to, we were playing games, and we had snow cones, and we had pizza. And so there was a lot of people didn't know what a snow cone was, so that was that was interesting. You know, coming from other countries, you know, what's a snow cone? Um, so this trip really, it stretched me a bit. And I also... I was looking to be stretched. I was looking to do something that would stretch my faith, my walk, um, walking by faith. So it did that. And as a person that never, I mean, I wouldn't say never, that rarely steps out, out of their comfort zone to try something new, um, it's really a good thing to do because it's difficult and at the same time, it's an abil- it's an opportunity for God to show us what he wants from us, what direction he wants to move us in. And he can show us things once we're out of our comfort zone because we are relying on him. We're relying on him more for all of our steps, our protection, our care, our ability to speak boldly to the people that we interact with. And so I think that more of us need to be stretched and need to get out of our comfort zone and check out one of these uh, mission trips. And it sounds like we have more opportunities coming up in the near future. So as we as we do step out, we find out that God does have a divine appointments for us. And there's always somebody that he's looking for us to, to walk up to and to talk to and share the gospel. And that's being obedient. Regardless of how the other person receives it, we're being obedient just to go out and share it. And that's pretty cool. That seems like an easy task. And for that, he gives us great joy. And and it's joy that you can wear on your face for days because I am still glowing with um, this trip. It was so good. So uh, to finish up, I just want to say thank you for your prayers and your encouragement and uh, for all the welcome backs. Thank you. We good? Okay. Good job, Angela. So I'm going to make it a little spiritual. Uh, if you want to turn your Bibles to Proverbs uh, chapter 30. So each morning, um, typically we start off with a devotion or devotion time, uh, which is typically like right after you eat breakfast. And so for my devotion, God really showed me these verses um, right before we left. You know, we got an email stating, you know, Brian gave us the details on who was doing devotions and what our plans for were for every morning. And then um, Mike actually sent us a big schematic view of every hour. But with Brian's email, it was, you know, doing devotions in the morning. So for my devotion, I chose these verses because they were key to the calling of Boston. And so I'll read them real quick. It's uh, Proverbs 30, verse 11 is where we're going to start. It says, There's a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. Uh, There's a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. 
There's a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. And then there is a generation whose teeth are as swords, and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. That is the definition of Boston. Does the population, like he said, there's an abundance of, you know, adolescents. They're, they're from all over the world, but they're not, you know, they're not matured. They're just there for college, their first year of college mostly. So that is the generation that we're, that we were get, getting to deal with. And of course, I'm getting older and going on this trip. You know, we got to, <laughs> we go to visit these colleges and Brian, has to make sure there's a young person walking with him because he's the dad taking him to taking him to college so at least he can talk to people because that's just how they are. You know, you can't, me and him were to walk the college together, it looks just a little weird. So you have to take a young person with you. And that's what we dealt with the whole time. And as he said, you know, two years ago, we got to go and plow the, plow the field when their congregation was very small. And it was a more personal visit because it was just us. There was only four of us. There wasn't any other churches. Uh, this year was totally different. There was, I think, 12 of us, 12 or 13 altogether, from three different churches. So that's a bigger crowd. So Mike's time is a little more pressing now, so there's not as much intimacy there when you visit him. He, you know, he did give us a tour. He took the time out. But to, you know, we didn't go to his house. We didn't have a, a personal dinner, you know, like all the stuff we did on the first trip. So this one was like taking a you know a whole new trip to Boston and seeing different things, but the people didn't change, the culture didn't change, um, the smell didn't change. It still smells the way it smells. Uh, it's still kind of trashy in different places. Just none of the none of those things change. And so going on this trip was very profitable because it's Boston is not a see the rewards right then and there kind of kind of evangelism trip. Um, if you're wanting that, go to the DR with Lee Carter, and you'll see 15 people in one conversation get saved. Boston's not that way. Boston is a very, we just plant the seeds, That's which is what we're supposed to do, you know, Matthew 28. Plant the seeds, and then uh, it's it's Mike's duty after that. It's his, it's his job. We leave it for him to kind of help them grow into the church and so it was really cool to actually be there a part of the friends of internationals to see the growth there to see some familiar faces but it was also really cool to see that one conversation um which i will stand here and tell you now it was a divine appointment because you know me and uh jeff bartell were staying there serving lemonade and of course this young indian girl walks up for a cup of lemonade and then you start the conversation with inviting them to the international party and it was very short, you know, and she was very respectful. But you could see that she was not interested because it was, you know, Jeff Bartel's an older gentleman, if you know him. And then I'm standing behind him. So it's like, it's a little, <laughs> it's not very welcoming into a conversation. So, um, and then I don't know where uh, Brooke, who is part of Mike's church plant, walks up and just has like a 10-minute conversation with her. Just talking to her really sweet. You know, she was very open to her. And uh, it was great. And then she shows up to the uh, the meeting, the welcome party with 20 of her friends. And it was just crazy because not before, you know, before that we sent our, uh, Brooke and Pastor Brian here went to go park their car. So we had no clue where they were. And then Brooke just kind of walks up. They're like things like we don't create those moments and those moments aren't created by us either. And so 
we're just obedient and to to try and go out there to change these verses, you know, change the the generational chain breakers, you know, with our with our children and we're going out there trying to help others change their generations because that's what gets handed down. So it was a really good trip. It was really cool to see his congregation grew by I think five people in the last two years. Um but I will say the last time we did go two years ago, half of his own planting team um was out of town. <laughs> so we got to meet the rest of the I got to meet the rest of the planting team unlike two years ago, so that was really good. And it was just it's really good to see what Mike's doing. Um I will say that we were encouraged enough to um establish a prayer team for them because there is a lot that needs prayer and and uh so Ollie and I do have the advantage to start that and to establish it and to just get together monthly or uh, you know whenever and and uh, be able to pray for him because there's the field's rough and he's just getting just getting rougher when a church that you're renting kicks you out because you believe in this book wholeheartedly and Mike didn't stand from that he didn't say oh I only believe parts of it just so you can keep me in the building no he stood his ground so obviously God's going to direct him wherever God wants him to go it's time for him to leave where he's at and so just really really pray for them pray for the relationships that move with them you know sometimes when you move locations people don't handle change well and he's got a, a little bit of a thing going so just pray for the people that have to move with him too and uh, not his planting team but the ones that have really became part of the church really just pray that they they accept it and they just they go with him and help help plant the seeds and for the fruit to grow so it was a good trip i really encourage it um i hopefully will go again next year and the year after that um we did enter some traveling fun the last two days of our trip um but once again it's it's uh the reward is longer so the good thing is with the trip and i'll wrap it up just real quick with the trip that you don't get a lot of conversations on the street you if you do that's that's huge but if you a lot of times you just don't but it's who you're standing there with because we you know it's the buddy system you always go two by two um so there we were always standing with somebody whether it was one of us each other or you know somebody else from the other team so uh sometimes the fruit isn't who you're talking to it's who you're, you're plowing the field with and so you really get to know all the people that that are going with you or the, you know that you're serving with from a whole different church so now it just broadens the the resources and so we got to really connect with and got to know the people that we didn't even know their first names you know last wednesday let alone anything about them so it was really good to it was really good to to get to meet them and get to know who they are as well as each other. Um, you know, I've been under Pastor Brian for seven years now, or almost eight years, and we literally had one night sitting at the table for, what, six hours just talking, just hanging out. You know, those moments don't get to happen without God calling you to go and sending you, and sometimes you have to capitalize on them. So, and then getting to sit with Angela. I didn't even know Angela before we went. I knew her name. But... It was really good to just be obedient with them and to go on the trip. So I really encourage it. They did a great job. It was a good trip. And uh, as you can tell, I encourage you guys. It's a, it's not the cheapest trip, but it's a good trip. So, you know, put some money aside. If you started now, you could have plenty for next year and be 
That's true. Yeah, he's right. The more people go, the cheaper it gets because we defray the costs. So uh, I'd encourage you all to, to really pray about that trip and, and uh, see what God would have you to do. Are there any questions? Real? Yes, ma'am. Oh, no questions. You got a question for Bible study? Oh, you're ready for Q&A. Any Boston questions? We had some fun times. We'll get into it another time. But went to this. I got to tell you, we went to this Italian restaurant, and I tell I tell Brady, the Guido's got his eye on you, Brady. He didn't know what I was talking about until he sat down and looked over my shoulder. I said, "Look over my shoulder," and this dude's sitting in the corner, you know, with his little pinky ring on, and he's watching Brady the whole time. I said, "You may look like somebody, brother. I don't know." It was funny, but uh, yeah, yes, sir. You had a question? About Boston? Mm Mm-hmm. No, it's about the same. About the same. Especially, like Brady said, if we had one more person, it would really have been better. Ideally, four people is a good size to to get the cost down. Um, It's just really expensive. So if you get a condo and you get more people in the condo. Also, if we could do couples that are married, that would also help because... Like this condo, we had uh, three separate rooms, and we only had three people, so it worked out good. But if we had, you know, you could, we could have did two married couples, uh, and we actually could have done three married couples if one would have been on a height of bed out in the middle of everybody, and then another separate room which had a single bed in. I mean, so technically we could have done two, four, six, seven people, which would have brought the overall trip cost a lot further down. The, the airfare isn't too bad. It's the, it's the rooming. So you, you're going you're gonna to drop... Uh, about three grand uh, to to stay there for five days, five or six days. It's expensive, and it just is expensive. And people, I went through this with Tony last year, thinking, oh, we'll get a hotel room, hotel room. It doesn't matter what you get. The hotel rooms are more expensive. So, so that's why we do Airbnbs. So, so we got to get out ahead of it. That is one thing that would help if you're interested. It, you know, start planning now so that you can by early summer of next year you can kind of lock it in. Because the earlier we can get an Airbnb, the better, and the better rate we'll get, and so on and so forth. So it was really cool. We were able to get the same Airbnb that Jim and I and uh, Chris and, and Brady had the first time. I saw that come up, and it's a really reasonable rate uh, uh, at just under $3,000. So uh, so we locked that in early, and uh, it was really good. Tony Godfrey was considering being the fourth man, but he fell out due to other um, other commitments. So anything else? All right, so I will attempt to make a little video with some pictures and stuff that we're going to run on a Sunday before church, so you can, and also send out to the church. So there'll be maybe a little more information, a little more visual illustration in days to come. But let's go ahead and jump. We need to get into the Bible tonight. QA. I saw hands flying, so uh, I mean that's good. Hands are flying. Just don't tear any rotator cuffs, right? So, um, so we'll start off. Shane said he had a question. First, but Pam, are you guys, you two arm wrestle over it, and uh, Pam, so, oh, thank you, man, you're on your A game, forgive me, I need a, do they have a, hey, Amy, can you go in the office and see if they got like a, one of those things to erase, eraser, yeah, (laughs) that would be what it's called. Hey, I'm tired, people. Give me some grace here, all right? That's why my wife's here, to help me. Help me help me understand what words I need to say. All right. Staying in Proverbs 30, 
starting at verse 15 uh, until the end of the chapter. It talks about uh, three things, yay, four things, three things, four things. Can you um, uh, talk a little about that? Uh, If you just have to go with one or two verses, um, 15, 16, 17, it's three things, um, four things, say not. What are, are those? Are you sure? Are you, are you uh, Proverbs 30. You mean 18? Eight. Well, starting at 15, the two oh, okay. daughters, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's the three things, yeah. four things, saith not. Mm-hmm. But it goes on down through there. There's three things and four things. and. Yeah. So what what is the, okay, what is the question precisely? Well, um. Let's see. <laughs> um, there's two daughters crying, give, give. There are three things that are never satisfied. And then uh, down in 16, the grave, the barren womb, the earth is not filled, the fire, it is enough. So we're talking about three things there, and then you drop down to 18, there will be three things which are too wonderful, four which I not, know not. Uh, drop down a little further, 21, for three things the earth is disquieted, for four which it cannot bear. I'm just wondering what's the, that pattern of three and four, um, okay. what you can tell us about that. That is the question. Okay. I, I, I didn't, because I could say a lot about it. I, w- I wasn't quite sure. It's the three and the four pattern. Pattern. I used to have a pastor I sat under. He always said pattern. It's pattern. Thank you. Yes. Uh, so let's look at the text. Okay, uh, Pam, this might be quick. We might get another question or three in here. So um, in, my, in my studies of this, I have this broken down into sections. Uh, one, two, three, four, uh, five sections of these patterns of three and four, interestingly enough. Uh, and you may count more, and maybe I got I'm off. But the first one, in, in, in my in my estimation, is 15 through 17. So we'll just like work through them in order. The horse leash. Well, the, the horse leash. Well, before I get into that, you know, in Proverbs, this is all dealing with wisdom. When you open up the whole book of Proverbs, it's dealing with a wise son and a foolish son. Um, and so um, it goes a lot of places. So. Uh, but we have these patterns. The horsely leash hath two daughters crying, give, give. There are three things that are never satisfied. Yea, four things say not it is enough, right? And so then that's he's setting us up for the answer, which is what is that? Well, the grave, right? It's it's never full. It's always, uh, you know, death has uh, had this uh, impact on us. Then the barren womb um, and the earth that is not filled with water. And the fire that saith, it is not enough. So there's the, the answer to 15 is in verse 16. Uh, and then the eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, uh, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out and the young eagles shall eat it. So it's like all the, like verse 17 almost seems like it's not connected, but it is connected. Um, and so... Um, um, and so then the next the next iteration I see is 18 through through 20, 
there are three things. We're back to the three things uh, which are too wonderful for me to, for which I know not. So, uh, so we're dealing, you know, obviously the things that are not satisfied is that first iteration, 15 through 17. Now the things that are too wonderful. So the first one are, there's the things that are, are not satisfied. The second iteration, uh, they're too wonderful. Um, and so... Uh, we see here, uh, yea, four things which I know not. They're so wonderful he can't even comprehend them. So uh, it's wonderful the way of an eagle in the air, right? Flight, the way of a serpent on the rock, you know, the way they, they traverse across the earth, the way of a ship in the midst of the sea, and the way of a man with a maid. We don't want to elaborate too much on that. But... Uh, and then notice what it says in verse 20. Again, it seems like it's out of place, doesn't it? Such is the way of an adulterous woman. She eateth and wipeth with her mouth and saith, I have done no wickedness. Hmm. That's odd, isn't it? So in verse 17, we have a problem with, with uh, rebellion and mocking the father. In verse 20, we have an issue of a rebellious woman. And they both seem a little, it seems a little funky there, right? Um, and so let's look at the next one. So there's three things in the earth, uh, three things, for there are three things the earth is disquieted and for which it cannot bear. So uh, now we're talking about the earth being disquieted. Uh, and cannot bear. What are these things? <clears throat> well, let's look. Did I spell that right? That's a bear in the woods. Is that the same bear? Or B-A-R-E? I was checking the Bible first there, Ron. Thank you. <laughs> so, okay. So, for a servant when he reigneth, right? So, this is something the earth is, troubles the earth. Uh, a servant when he reigneth. A fool when he is filled with meat, for an odious woman when she is married, and a handmaid that is heir to her mistress. Uh, and so that's an interesting, and that's where I end it. I don't have another, just a little proverb there that doesn't seem to fit as well. Then the next one is, uh, there are four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. So here's the, the next one, one, two, three. Um, uh, these are the little, these are the things that are little and exceedingly wise. And you get what they are there. Pretty straightforward. Um, ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in summer. The conies are but a, a feeble folk. It make their houses in the rocks, so they're they're uh, they're not strong, but they have strength around. And the locusts have no king; they go forth uh, all of them by bands, right? They stay in their in their in their uh, rank. Uh, verse twenty-eight: The spider taketh hold with her hands and is in kings' palaces. There's a whole lot in this, man. I love that. The little things that are exceedingly wise, man. If you take some time and meditate on that, there's a lot there. 
Uh, and we'll get to the pattern, but I wanted to get through this first. And the last one is there'll be three things which go well and four uh, are comely and going. So um, this is the fifth one is the way I, the way I lay it out. Um, and uh, I'm sorry, how does that say it? There are th- there are there be there be three things which go well, yea, four are comely. So now you've got the the number in here. You got the number three. Uh, there's three things that go well, and you got the fourth that's comely, right? It's very attractive. Well, let's look at that. Let's see what that is. Um, <clears throat> so, a lion, which is strongest among the beasts, and turneth not away for any, a greyhound, uh, and he and he goat, and a king against whom there is no rising up. All right, so let's look at the one is a lion. Um, he's the strongest of the beast, right? He doesn't move for anybody. Two is a greyhound. Three is a he goat. The fourth is a king. So he's driving us to. He's saying, man, that's really good when there's a king that has no uprising. If thou hast done foolishly in lifting, now this is outside of the the three and the fours. If thou hast done foolishly in lifting up thyself. Or if thou hast thought evil, lay thine hand upon thy mouth. Surely the churning of milk bringeth forth butter, and the ring of the nose bringeth forth blood. So the forcing of wrath bringeth forth strife. All right, so um, um, now if you go back, and I do believe uh, this is, is really um, trying to give wisdom uh, to to those that that uh, would rebel against a king ultimately, uh, and each one of these has a has a certain certain nuance to it that helps you understand how to avoid um, and have a peaceful kingdom. Because ultimately, Proverbs as a whole is about, and, and this is the words of Agur, the son of Jacob, you know. And so this isn't um, you know attributed to Solomon, but Solomon. Is the preacher Solomon is is associated with this the whole book of Proverbs as well, and so this is about having wisdom and dealing with the king. So Christ is a in in that that first iteration, you're dealing with those things that are not satisfied. Uh, four things say it is not enough. That fourth one, the, when you go through that, so he's kind of incrementally you you know t- telling you the grave, the barren womb, uh, the earth that's not filled with water, and then the last one he deals with fire. Right, which is a means of judgment, and so, um, and so he's, uh, and then he just seems to randomly throw in, you know, the eye that mocketh at his father and despises to obey his mother, and the ravens of the valley shall pick it out, and the young eagles shall eat it, which seems a little bit random, but I believe that's a judgment uh, upon those <clears throat> that would uh, rebel against the father, and so uh, again, again in eighteen, he's got that three and four. Uh, and so he starts with the wave and eagle in the air, the serpent on the rock, the ship in the midst of the sea. And then the last thing he deals with is the way of a man with a maid. Um, now, I don't believe that has to be negative. It can be negative or positive. But then he, he concludes it in 20 with such is the way of an adulterous woman. She eateth and wipeth her mouth and saith, I have done no wickedness. So he's pointing out in that last illustration, you know, the moral the, he's using like creation, and then he's giving, he's talking to humans, and giving a moral, uh, uh, a moral judgment. 
is what I'm trying to say, moral judgment to humans that need to take heed to what he's saying uh, because you're rebelling against God, a holy God. When you start over in the beginning of the chapter, he says I'm more in verse 2, I'm more brutish than any man and have not the understanding of a man. I am neither learned, uh, I, I neither learned wisdom nor had the knowledge of the holy. Uh, who has ascended up into heaven or descended, or descended? Who hath gathered the wind in his fists? Who hath bound the waters in his garment? Who hath established the ends of the earth? Who is, what is his name and what is his son's name if thou canst tell? Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to them that put their trust in him. So there's all kinds of wonderful things at the beginning of chapter 30 dealing with the Lord. And, and of course, the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. And then you get into two things that I required of thee. Deny them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Right? I don't want vanity or lies, poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee, and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of God in vain. Accuse not a servant unto his master, lest he curse thee, and thou be found guilty. There is a generation, which is what Brady was reading, that curses their father and doth not bless their mother. So you see in verse 17, there's like a parallel to that. There is a generation uh, that are pure in their own eyes, yet have not washed from their filthiness. Right? You see that in verse 20. Uh, there is a generation. How lofty are their eyes and their eyelids lifted up. Um, you know, uh, and you can see that down... Um, uh, for an odious woman when she is married and a handmaid that is heir to her mistress. I'm not quite sure how that would apply, to be frank with you, but um, I do think there's some correlation there. Um, and then there's a generation that are pure in their own eyes, yet are, is not washed from their filthiness. There's a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes. There's a generation whose teeth are, are swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and needy from among men. And then it, there is a certain translation or transition, I should say, in verse 15 as we get into these, the remainder and the balance of this. So, um, and so when you get into, again, it just keeps incrementally ratcheting up uh, the servant, uh, the, the things that the earth is disquieted and the four which cannot bear. So you go through the servant, the fool, um, the odious woman uh, when she's married and a handmaid that is heir to her mistress. It's interesting in that one that, um, um, you know, the handmaid that is heir to her mistress. Uh, so, the, you know, don't, don't lord over the flock um, of God. Uh, and so the, uh, the servant, when he reigneth. Now, that's a virtue for us, right? The servant leadership, that's what we follow. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, how lofty are their eyes. Mm-hmm. It's in the middle. So for those of you listening online, Bob's pointing out in verse 13, there's a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes, and there's an uh, exclamation point, which is, is not, he's right in, in pointing out that you rarely find those, and when you do, they're important. And this one isn't at the end of the sentence, it's in the middle. And, and the next word doesn't, isn't even capitalized, and their eyelids are lifted up. So that's a that is a really that is really important, isn't it? You got any more to add to that, Bob?
I got in, in my marginal notes, I have America in the 1900s. Of course, this was from a note I made in the 1900s. I'm older than that now. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So, uh, there, so again, Pam, I think what I'm seeing is, is that there's an inc- he's using the first three to ratchet up so you can get the, the last, you know, make the application in the last one. I don't have any super, of course, the number three, number three in the Bible uh, if you're looking at just numbers, represents the Godhead all the way through. Um, and then four is also the manifestation of, uh, of uh, uh, well, some people say it's creation. I believe it's the manifestation of God in creation. Uh, because when you go through and you really look at the number four, it's usually associated with this, with seeing who God is in creation. Whether it's the four Gospels, um, the four views of Revelation, um, and so on and so forth. There's just a lot of uh, examples of that in the Bible, and so uh, same thing when you get into the the, the next one, um, the spider taketh hold uh, in her uh, with her hands, and of course the spiders don't have hands, but that's okay. Uh, just like ants aren't people, but in, as far as the language, we understand it, and it's, and the, and they're in the king's palaces. So what's that tell a king? It tells a king that there's nothing you're doing that God is not going to know about. So there's no, there's really nothing secret from God. No matter who you are in this world, God has his, He has His creatures in your in your business. He's recording. Of course, God doesn't need animals to do that. It's an analogy. Uh, but the, the, there there is a way to get in the king's palaces, and God puts spiders there. I mean, God, there's nowhere that God cannot go. And um, and of course, He uses the weak things to confound the wise. And that's that's a lesson that we learn in the New Testament. Same thing when you get to 29 through 31 uh, and 32. You know, um, a lion. He uses these incredible animals. A lion. Uh, of course, we get that very clearly. Um, Jesus is a lion in the tribe of Judah. The, roar, the devil walks around like a, walks around like a roaring lion. A greyhound, um, which of course we know is fast. A he goat also, which we know it can be formidable and stubborn and has great footing. And a king. Now we're back to a king whom there is no rising. So a peaceful kingdom. Uh, this is a thing that is uh, very comely in its going. So three things that go well, right? A lion knows how to move. Um, a, a greyhound knows how to move. A he-goat knows how to keep his feet. Uh, but a kingdom where the, there is no rebellion against the king, and that is absolutely wonderful. And, uh, and so um, notice at the end, though, he says, If thou hast done foolishly in lifting up thyself, or if thou hast thought evil, and lay, lay thy hand upon thy mouth, surely the churning of milk bringeth forth butter, and the ringing of the nose bringeth forth blood, so the forcing of wrath bringeth forth strife. So he's ultimately calling for peace um, uh, through you know, the, uh, the wisdom uh, if, of controlling the tongue, because if you, if you can't control your tongue, you can't control your body, according to the book of James, and that will mess up the kingdom. So I don't really have a great, uh, super deep uh, exposition beyond that, Pam. Uh, if somebody else has anything else to add to that, I'd, I'll hear it. So that's all I know. Yeah, Proverbs kind of works in a loop anyway. Um, and I just really just gave you my outline for my own Bible notes. So you got five things, which is the number of death or the number of grace. And, and it does obviously deal with the kingdom. It starts off with the introduction with God's wisdom is above everybody's wisdom. And it ends with an admonition not to, to stir up strife. So, obviously, when you look at Proverbs in the context of the whole of the Bible, 
you know, Psalms is a picture of the millennium. Proverbs is a picture of, of Jesus Christ on the throne and his wisdom, the wisest man that ever lived. Outside of, uh, well, there is no one wiser than Jesus. And so Solomon was was one of the wise, or is the wisest man that lived outside of, of Jesus, according to the Bible. All right. So anyone else, any other questions? I think that was kind of, that's all I got on that. Wah, wah, wah. All right. There's probably something deeper there. I just don't know it. Shane? Maybe not. We can always bookmark it. We can always bookmark it. What is it? Oh, give him the mic. No one can hear you on the even in the room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some people can. Um. Looking at what's happening in our society today here in America, um, and taking into consideration what when the apostles asked um, uh, Jesus, what did they what did they need to pay? And he said, pay Caesar's things unto Caesar. We we have a little different government here in our country that um, personally I I believe at one time was uh, very much in line with godly principles and and men that really honored God. Uh, not so much anymore, but it was that's the way it was set up. Um, we know what the end end game is. Uh, we know what uh, we can expect from our our Lord, um, and it's going to be a judgment against the whole world. As we go through what's going on uh, in our in our culture. As a Marine, I um, I took an oath, and I still hold that oath. Um, and it really upsets me sometimes what I see happening in our in our society, in our government, uh, in the. I know this is bad to use, but the woke ideology of the left, you know, um, and and I. I think we have a responsibility to actually look at it and see what's going on. It's, it's. I think it's wrong for us to stick our, stick our heads in the sand and be oblivious of what is going on. Um, but what, where do we fit in, and, and where do we have to pull our stops back? I, I know that um, who's in charge of this world and the governments of this world. Uh, God is the ultimate. But he has turned that decision over, or, or the, that uh, not decision, but that rule over to Satan. Um, so we have a right to fight with Satan. I, I, I'm, 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 that's a rhetorical. I'm saying this. I'm just adding that in. Uh, where do we, uh, where do we actually stop ourselves? I, I don't believe we ought to be out there. Burning buildings or, or uh, shooting Antifa or, or whatever, uh, but I also think we we should do what we can. Let me just stop there, okay? Yeah, we got and we say, got five minutes, so um, well, I can fill that up if you want me to keep talking, and we can do it some other time. 
I get what you're saying. I okay. think let me summarize. I think let me summarize this, and, I, and you can tell me if I'm summarizing it for you accurately. Where is uh, the tension in obeying God and obeying man? Uh, you know, where do you in a more increasingly wicked world? Where do you, where do you draw? I don't. I mean, basically, where's the point in which you um, no longer can submit to the powers that be in good conscience? Oh, okay. Is that it? Yeah. So you want to submit First Corinthians thirteen? Let's just start with what we're supposed to do, right? And I can do this. I'm going to rant, rant, run through some verses. And actually, this might be a good topic to pick up, actually, and have a whole Bible study on because it's it's a very relevant topic. So, um, so it's really simple, though. Let's just let's just look, take off your America hat and put on your Bible believer hat, right? And uh, and verse thirteen, chapter thirteen, verse one. Let every soul. Yeah, what did I say? Oh, sorry. I had that in my head too, but go to Romans, Romans chapter 13, Romans 13. I'm also thinking of all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. Uh, but let, so Romans 13 and verse 1. Everybody there? Okay. So it's very clearly it says, Let every soul be subject unto higher powers, for, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. So you can just go home and chew on that. No matter how wicked they are, how godless they are, and they are wicked and godless. You better believe it. Even when they're conservatives, oftentimes, they're wicked and godless. So don't kid yourself. Um, but they're Gentile nations. They're like Nebuchadnezzar. They're like, uh, you know, they're like Cyrus. They're like, uh, you know, all those dudes throughout the history. Now, those dudes are dealing with kingdoms and monarchies. We are. Uh, we we thought we were in a democratic republic, but you know that got suspended with 9/11, and a lot of people didn't know that. So we're like Romans that thought they had a democracy when they actually had a a uh, what do you call it? A, uh, when Caesars took over, um, yeah, they had a monarchy. Um, what <laughs> a dictatorship's another good way of saying it. We're not we're not probably quite there, but I don't know. Anyway, so you see, so let's just let's just summarize it. So you see this this you know departure from a, as and he put it in a good context. He's like, look, he could say, well, look, I'm going to submit under the higher powers, but I took an oath to do that. I had an oath to defend the Constitution, so I I elect to defend the Constitution, and and I would say, go for it, man. And I love, I mean, that's a good thing. If you're going to submit to human government, that's the best document on the planet to submit to, uh, and certainly, it's not the Bible. Uh, uh, but it is a good document as far as to govern humanity. Um, as a matter of fact, everybody in governmental power, and, and I'm just talking about this nation, so if you're watching from somewhere else in the world tonight, we're just talking about America right now and the tension in America. And there's some countries and places where people may be watching, they have no other, they have no choice. They don't have the luxury of, of supporting a constitution because they, they, have to, they have to submit to the crown. They have to submit to the king. And that's it, or else. Um, and so, um, so we are fortunate in this country, even now, that Shane can sit over here and publicly say, "I support the Constitution. I will defend it to the death." That's basically what he's saying. Um, and then, that, but that causes some problems because I feel like, you know, I'm speaking on his behalf. Like this is getting this is a little dicey out here, you know, because the Constitution is being trampled, and 
as a Christian, how do I deal with that, right? Because, and that's a good question, and that's the one I want to answer next time we get together. <laughs> so, uh, but I will say, say you, there's the, the, it does say the warning in verse 2, whosoever resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Now there are seasons, and let me just kind of back up and go back to Proverbs 29 for just a moment. As, as That's so clear. You don't even need me to tell you what that means. You can read it for yourself and see what it says. There's a very real danger in rebelling against authority. Uh, whether it's your parents' authority, whether it's the church authority, whether it's the government authority. However, a couple hundred, over 250 years ago now, a group of men decided that, you know what, we're going to go, we're going to roll the dice here because we think the king is so wicked that, that God will give us grace and let us do this thing uh, and we'll make him the king instead of George. King George is out, and even though a lot of those guys weren't even born again, they're like, the God of heaven is the king now. We're going to do it this way. And we're going to give people individual liberty so they can choose to have more. That's why this country does not work without morality. And, and, so, um, and so praise God for that. It was a great, is a great thing. But let me just kind of quickly before we end, because I know time's running short, I want to get to the other side of that coin because it is a discussion of two sides of the coin. Um, uh, you know, they didn't do that without literally writing it in the document. That, like, we know how serious this Declaration of Independence is. And uh, and we're not saying we don't believe in God. We're just saying we think God could do better over here because you have forfeited your right to rule us because you haven't been a godly ruler. That, in essence, was the the the, uh, the the reason that they established the Declaration of Independence. That, and uh, And so in Proverbs 29, though, not everybody has that luxury. And I would submit to you, and this is really important. Hear what I'm saying. This is not 1776. This is 2022, 2023, sorry. I don't know what year it is. 2023. And what's coming up, if you think it's bad now, you just hold on. Uh, because we ain't seen nothing yet, even before the rapture. And so you really got to get your bearings on what you're really f- focused on. And that better be the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And you got to start letting go of a lot of stuff because at the end of the day, it's all going the way God established it because he puts these people in charge. Why? Because he's judging us. You know, our morality, how many people in this room, I bet most, I bet every, almost every one of you, maybe I got an exception in here. If we were to talk about moral, moral issues in our country, you would just be like sickened by, you know, boys going into girls' restrooms some of the things going on morality-wise just make you just you just like, what in the world? T- teaching little children about things they don't need anything to know. I mean, it's just craziness, right? And we're all like, that is horrible. But where did it really start? It started in the 60s. Amen. Before there was, before there was you know, whatever goes when the whistle blows immorality you don't even know what what gender you are kind of sexual immorality there was just by good old good old heterosexual immorality you know uh 
free love. And that wasn't godly either. And, 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 and let's kill our babies. And let's just do all this, right? And, that's just, and so before we get all worked up about where we are, we've got to remember where we've been. Did we ever repent from all of that sincerely? I mean, yes, a lot of people have. A lot of people have repented. But there's also consequences when we don't take God's standard seriously. And there's judgment that comes on especially a nation that says, in God we trust, <laughs> but we don't really trust him. Everybody's trusting in Wall Street. You watch the news. It's all about the markets, the economy, this, the, that. Well, listen, without God, we have nothing. You know? Uh, and so, anyway, I know I'm preaching the choir. This is a, this is a theological discussion. I know what I'm saying is not going to play outside of the walls of the church. But that's the real answer. You know, the real issue is we're under judgment. And so you've got to just kind of sit down like Jeremiah and go, wait a minute. We are going on into captivity. What do I do? God says, go purchase a field, Jeremiah. That's what you do. You believe my word. I'm coming back. You're coming. This nation's coming back. But not until they go spend 70 years in Babylon. By the way, I don't know if this nation will ever come back after the rapture, but, but God is coming back, and the Gentile nations will continue, and we come back with him. right? So you kind of got to start thinking in game. You know, it's in a war. This is a war. It's a long, it's a, it's a protracted war. So don't lose the war in a, for a short-term battle. And I face this personally. I mean, a few years ago, I was so wound up about some silliness here in the, in the city, man. I was like, I could have just pulled my hair out. And, uh, and, 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 and so anyway, I could go, I'm, I'm actually very, I understand what the spirit that Shane has toward these things. So we got to be wise. Let me read this verse to you. We'll bookmark this discussion. And I think this would be something good to take up next week. If you got other questions, though, write them down and let me know, and we'll keep we'll keep working the QA because this is good stuff. But here's a, here's what it says in verse uh, uh, verse 16 of chapter Proverbs chapter 29. When the wicked are multiplied, transgression increaseth. But check this out. But the righteous shall see their fall. So just you can go home with that. When the wicked are multiplied, transgression increaseth. But the righteous shall see their fall. Lance, uh, I know some of you, and I'm going to end with this. I know we're a little over, but I'm going to end with this and we'll be done. So let me let me put it in terms that we can relate to. So Lance, uh, uh, you guys, if you've been watching my social media feed, I've been pushing the great debate of Alan Shelby, 1996. And um, I was... When I was, when I, I remember when that happened. I was in, I was in the middle of our shepherd school, our HBI, and uh, Alan was one of my in- instructors. And uh, I heard the great debate over at KU, and I was like, "Wow, how amazing!" If you've ever not learned, listened to it, take the time listen to the great debate over at KU. It was awesome. Um, Alan Shelby, that guy was a leading. The guy that he debated was the leading, and uh, a leading author and protagonist i guess for lack of a better word for the atheist position in the united states i mean he was not just some slouch some slouch but you know what happened to him a year after that debate does anybody know he didn't get saved not that i know of he died he died i didn't know that until today lance sent me a text because lance looked him up and i thought how sad that guy died now i have nothing but, I mean, that guy didn't do anything to me. He didn't do anything to Alan. He didn't do anything to anybody as far as that's concerned. He's not a wicked ruler, okay? So I'm not saying, I'm not, that's where the analogy would end. 
He's just a guy that doesn't believe in God. And you know what? His position leads him in hell. Like right now, he's in hell. And I'll, I'll see him at the judgment seat of Christ. Or I mean, at the great white throne judgment, not the judgment seat of Christ. If you don't know the difference, that's a good question. We can talk about that. But I'll see him at the great white throne judgment. Yeah, that's going to be, that's, that's, I'm sad for him, you know. Huh? Oh. Uh, because I'll be watching those that get cast in the lake of fire. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, guys, these, this is an end, this is a long game. And so you got to remember how it ends. That's what I would tell you. I'll come back next week, though. We'll address that a little bit more practically and how you deal with that. You know, oh, no, next week's the Bible conference. So two weeks from now, I will remember. And uh, I will remember. We will come back. You may not, but I'll come back and just, just hit that a little bit more thoroughly. And uh, But don't forget, that don't lose the end game for the short game. you got to be wise. It's like wrestling with principalities and powers, spiritual weakness in high places. You cannot afford to lose your bearings because next thing you know, you'll be on your back counting the lights, wondering what happened. Uh, don't violate Romans 13. As, as he said, we shouldn't go out after Antifa, right? You shouldn't go out after that, you know. Uh, but there are there are within the bounds of 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 uh, the law, there are things you can do and should do, and um, we'll talk about that next time. All right, let's have a word of prayer and go deliver our teachers from your children, and uh, we'll be dismissed. Thank you guys for <laughs> coming tonight. Thank you guys. Uh, Brady and, and Angela did a good job on the update. And, uh, and look forward to seeing you guys Sunday, too. We're going to have new members joining Sunday. Uh, it's going to be a good time. Make sure you're here Sunday with all your family and friends. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time to come together.